In a world filled with uncertainty, we are all trying to get physically, mentally, and emotionally healthy. But the struggle is real. The Live Well Podcast exists to give you fun, relevant, and impactful strategies that will help you get healthy, stay healthy, and live well. Hosted by Dr. Mike Roncesvalli, a clinical psychologist with two decades of experience in the field and his Live Well crew. We promise the time you spend listening to the Live Well podcast will help you thrive like you never have before. And welcome to the Live Well podcast. We're glad you're listening today. I'm Dr. Mike Roncesvalli. Uh, we've got an incredible program for you, information that's really going to follow up on one of our last podcasts about pain and pain management, how, just how you deal with chronic pain. So yes. we're excited to mm-hmm. give you some practical things. Dr. Trevor's in the house. Oh, man, I'm here. Woo-hoo. Excited to be here. Megan Torkowski. Hey, hello. And Alana the Great. Hello, hello. Happy Monday. That's right. Happy and on mic, but off camera. Producer Jacob. Producer Jacob. Jacob. How's it going? Jacob. All right, guys. So, yeah. Trevor, do you want to start us off with uh, just yeah. some housekeeping issues? I would some... love to. So, this week kicks off Teacher Appreciation Week. So. Woo-hoo. Um, yeah, it's a big deal. So in fact, I'm married yes. to a teacher. My wife, Mindy's a kindergarten teacher and, um, they do an incredible amount of work. And Amazing. so thank you for all of you teachers out there, um, who are listening, who are supporting our children, who are caring for our families. Thank you for all you do. Yes, uh, this is also national mental health awareness month. That's so it's right. a big deal for us here at live well behavioral health. Uh, in fact, we are posting something every day in the month of May. So we've already a couple days in, we've already made some, a couple posts. I have lots to go. Um, Would love for you guys to find us on our social media. That would be on Facebook and on Instagram uh, to check out our posts. Um, And then lastly, we are uh, doing our first ever live event um, coming up on Thursday night, May 20th. It's our plan to do one every month. And again, we're kicking it off. So that uh, uh, episode of the live event is going to be overcoming anxiety and understanding Mindfulness. 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 I wrote, they didn't write that one down. <laughs> yeah. It slipped my mind. I think Apparently I right, need some right mindfulness. <laughs> that's right. So again, it's overcoming anxiety. Thank you, team. You're and welcome. understanding <laughs> mindfulness. That's the theme for our first live event. Yes. It's Thursday night, yeah. uh, Thursday. The 20th. The 20th. And, and the cool part for me about that is I, I think everybody's stressed out and anxious yeah. right now, number one. And number two, I hear all the time about mindfulness. It doesn't matter whether you're on yahoo.com or YouTube or NBC, AB, everybody's talking about mindfulness. We want to give you guys practical strategies of what that actually means. Cause no one That's knows right. what it means. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people, I was even hearing some people talking about it today on another, um, on a Ted talks. And this lady was like, if someone tells me to meditate or do a mindfulness practice one more time, I'm just going to throw up on them. She's like, it doesn't, it gives me anxiety. And she was That's like, right. going yeah. on and on and on and on. And I was like, whoa, you do need some mindfulness. Girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. But, we, but she needs to be introduced to it and like not having it shoved it. down her throat and yeah. understand it. Mm-hmm. So. You no, know, my wife, I mentioned she's a teacher. So they're teaching this now in the schools to the I know, kids. That makes and me so, which so is happy. awesome, right? But we yeah. have all these kids learning it and their parents knowing nothing about it. Right. 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 So we need yeah. to have a parenting skills, mindfulness. Hey. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> we could do that too. We'll follow yes. up hey. with the parenting mindfulness. So. Yes. Anyways, that's some of the stuff that's coming up uh, for you. We're just super excited to be giving you all this mm-hmm. content. Um, if you want more information about who we are, go to livewellbehavioralhealth.com and you can 
find out about everything we're doing. Um, yes. All right, let's jump into it. Alana, do you want yes. to give us a recap of that last podcast, just so we know where we're picking up here? Yes. So two weeks ago on April 19th, we recorded and posted a podcast um, that was, you know, a little personal, but um, we talked about pain management and we talked about our combined um, yes. lived experiences and Trevor's yeah. bionic knees and, oh. and, and, oh, and, no. <laughs> and um, me, Dr. Mike, and, and Megan overcoming our, our spinal, spinal issues. Mm-hmm. Discomforts. Um, and then some that's totally summarizing it. But anyway, we talked about pain management and um, sort of the um, approaches, the cognitive approaches that we have to pain. We talked two weeks ago about, um, now we, we skipped last week. We took a week off to regroup and recenter about around some of the other projects we've had going on just to be able to um, to be what we want to be for you guys. So thank you for bearing with us. Um, last time we talked about the notion that pain is I- inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that be physical pain or emotional distress, pain is inevitable in the human condition. However, suffering is optional. Um, We talked a little bit about the science behind that, and we talked about how there is something we can do about rewiring the cognition that we have behind not turning the pain into suffering. Um, We talked about how... um, this sort of automatic notion to resist pain is actually what generates the suffering, whereas taking a more mindful approach to the pain and accepting the pain is one of the things that helps us acquire what we need to start overcoming the pain and living our life through the pain. Um, And essentially today we wanted a part two for you guys to talk about real practical tips and strategies that are all evidence-based stuff it's it's holistic it takes it takes a look at the entire body the entire human um and we wanted to um give you guys part two on that today so that's what we have in store for you guys our our goal is always to be as practical as we possibly can uh and that's that's hard for us you you guys Mm -hmm. need to know that because it's easy to get real heady when you talk about mental health um, but we, we want today to literally get down into the nitty-gritty of what you do if you're experiencing some pain issues and you, and you want to learn how to manage them more effectively. So I'll, I'm going to just start us off with yep. one thing that is near and dear to my heart. You guys are not going to be surprised by this. But is if, it a story? It's not a story. Okay. I, can t- <laughs> okay. I can tell a story. <laughs> I've got about we 12 that can. are relevant. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> what I thought you were going for. Go ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm a big cognitive behavioral therapist, right? That's just sort of my Mm -hmm. DNA uh, clinically. And there's this enormous link between negative toxic thoughts and the exacerbation of pain. And people, people struggle with that, especially in the clinical office. When, when they come in with pain management issues, I'll start to talk about cognitive behavioral therapy as an anecdote for some of the, the chronic pain and man, they just start to get nervous because they they feel like I'm going to tell them that they've got to think happy thoughts because mm-hmm. that's what some people misunderstand CBT. They mm-hmm. don't understand cognitive behavioral therapy. They think it basically just means if I think happy, then I'll feel happy. And that's really not what CBT is all about. Mm-hmm. The idea behind CBT with pain management would be to understand that literally 
the script that you read from when you're in pain is either going to help you feel more peace or it's going to help you feel more pain. Right. Mm. You want to go away from the latter. Correct. The script that you read from when, when you're in pain is either going to create peace or it's going to create more pain. Do you want to talk about that script, where that comes from? So the, the script that will create more pain is the script that says, I can't believe I'm dealing with this again. This is unbelievable. I can't stand this. This isn't fair. I don't like this. Why me? Why, Why me? me? It shouldn't be me. Or maybe I deserve this. Which is a, a big piece of the puzzle. A lot of you listening, are sh- you're shame-based, right? So the way you approach life is through the lens of your own shame. So when you when you start to experience pain, you you, you put that through the lens of your shame and you say, well... Of course I feel this way because I deserve it. I've done this or I've done this. Or I, why did I Why did I lift that? I've done that to myself before. I'm mm-hmm. so stupid. Why would I do that? I know I can't do that. It's, And we link what we're going through right now to all these poor choices. That script will yield more pain. It's research. It's not just me making it up. It's not just me trying to give you some weird, you know, Pollyanna uh, anecdote. This is research-based. That kind of toxic thought will make your body more tense mm-hmm. as your body gets more tense you will experience more pain right. so the, the cognitive behavioral strategy that leads to more peace is going to be the one that says i can live right here right now i can manage my pain i'm going to get through this there i, I there are some things i can do to feel better and i have can i have control over some things mm-hmm. not everything i have control over some things that are going to help me feel better in 15 minutes or 15 hours or 15 days. Does that connect? Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, Alana, you just a little bit ago said that pain is inevitable. Right. Right. But suffering it's optional. is optional. Right. And this is yeah. what, I mean, there's a connection here. The, the suffering sure. side of, of this shame based or this, uh, this desire to lean into mm-hmm. uh, those negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so the first thing you can do, number one, if you want to deal with your pain is, number one, get your script in a healthy spot. Get your brain. Rewrite it. Rewrite Rewrite the script and make sure that you're looking for ways that you can emphasize the idea that you have some power. There's something Mm -hmm. you can do to feel better. Um, Write about it. Journal it. Like, Take notes of what's going on in your head. Put it on paper so you can see it in front of you and, and know the difference between whether or not that's a healthy thought or that's a that's going to lead me in the wrong direction thought. Perfect. Tell you, I, um, I, I'll take 30 seconds and just share that I have personally done that and very recently, like maybe in the last um, year or so, mm-hmm. um, struggling with, with a variety of, of just chronic debilitating pain conditions. But I had to rewrite the script that, you know, the narrative that, mm. that I mean, essentially I was telling myself was that this pain is inevitable. This pain is permanent. This is just what you're going to have to deal with forever. And I rewrote, I still am rewriting some of those things, but just that by itself, um, I think has made a huge impact on my willingness and my motivation and my energy to get up and keep moving. What did and you rewrite it to, Alana? I rewrote it to, I knew you were going to ask me yeah. that, Dr. <laughs> Mike. So I rewrote it to, I am not my pain. My pain mm-hmm. is separate from Alana. 
the great <laughs> and calling myself Alana the Great, there's a whole science behind that. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. 99% of the time, I don't believe it, but that's how I rewrite <laughs> my script. Because but, if I kept, if I said Alana is pain instead of saying Alana the Great. And I'm going to be in pain forever. Think about how huge that statement is. Yeah. And how like that is just right. a heavy yeah. statement to think and feel and own. I am going to be right. in pain forever. We wrap forever. our identity around That's it. a right. lot. So mm-hmm. the fact that you change that is... Wonderful. Right, I'm ch- I'm changing it, and, and you're still you know, practicing. Still practicing, and what that leads me to believe is, okay, this pain is actually temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, don't resist it, but in- instead, like lean into it, be mindful about it, figure out where it's coming from, do whatever I can to treat and overcome it, and still do the things that I want to do to find joy and purpose in my life, so that I don't curl up into fetal position in the corner there, and 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 just stay there until tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) and then you get to share all of those things that you're doing with other people and Mm -hmm. help other people along the way Mm -hmm. and so I I just want to point out that we understand that there are some people that are in chronic pain that you might have some just reality to the idea that you're probably going to be in pain Mm -hmm. for a long 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 time Sure. but even so your goal is in the in the battleground of your mind mm-hmm. to look for ways to exercise some control over the process. What what can I do today to live in a moment and enjoy a moment and find something beautiful? You know, the, the whole concept of beauty out of the ashes mm-hmm. I bring up a lot. Mm-hmm. That's your goal in regard to, to the cognitive behavioral strategies for pain management. So, all right, we've got CBT. What else? What what could you guys throw out there as a practical strategy to help people with pain management? I'm, I think Alana wants to say something. <laughs> no? Okay. Should we move on to my stuff? Go ahead. Jump in. Yeah. Well, I was actually, actually, I was looking at this. I'm thinking more support group right now, maybe. Do you want to talk about that, Trevor, a little sure, bit? Sure. Like community? We'd love to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. then I'll go into that. Right. So when we're in pain, our tendency is to isolate right? We, we don't feel good. We want to get away. We want to be alone. Um, and oftentimes, well, always that's, we need to, we need to push against that, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's something powerful about uh, community, about relationships. Um, there's a ton of research done on this. You can look it up, you can find it. Um, in fact, that's why even in the medical field, we talk about support systems, mm-hmm. right? You, if you go to the doctor, they're going to ask you, uh, again, who's, who's your support system? We have that same thing in the mental health industry. Absolutely. Um, it's key that you have people in your support system to care for you, come alongside you. And I said, that's really difficult sometimes. In mm-hmm. fact, um, I'll just share, you guys know this here. So my dad just had surgery. He's sitting in an ICU ward in Minneapolis, Minnesota right now. Uh, because of COVID, he can't see anyone, and you know, and so it's hard. so difficult, you know. So we just had the first phone call with him the other day, Aww. and it was amazing, right, just to be able to hear his voice. And not just for us that it was helpful, but I think for him it was extremely therapeutic, right, to be able to hear on the other side of that phone, you know, his, his yeah. son and his daughter-in-law and his boys. Um, and uh, it, was, it was amazing, you know, yeah. but there's something healing in that effort, right, of having support around you so again if as as you're in pain you need to look for those individuals that community those family the friends uh, again who can walk you and care for you and support you through this 
Yeah, so it, I, there's some really strong research mm-hmm. here as well, like the idea that supportive relationships mm-hmm. are, are they're clinically linked to better outcomes mm-hmm. with pain. So it's not just anecdotal. It's cool. Right. You start to have an experience like that with your dad, Trevor, and it's like, wow, this is real. Right. But to know that that's not just your anecdotal right. experience, that over and over and over and over again, yeah. the research supports the idea that we've right. got to have people on this journey with us. Yeah. And it's hard right now too, because physical touch is so much of that. And, mm-hmm. and, and we can't like hugging is like a taboo thing right now or like shaking hands, but it's such a part of our culture and, um, just our way of being that, you know, a 20 second hug can give a five-year-old all the oxytocin to their brain that they need to yeah, just bring right. them out of that sad moment and mm-hmm. make them happy again. And we're not being able to do that right now because of the pandemic. So it's just very unfortunate that we're having to be so isolated in these right. moments of healing when we really need other people. And you know, if you're if you're listening or watching today and someone that you know has chronic pain, I think that's a that's a great goal for mm-hmm. us to say we can speak life into these people. Right. Some of it's just you know, the research talks about like caring eyes. Like yeah. the idea when when you see someone that looks like they care about you, that actually starts to calm your brain and your body A smile, even. I know we're all wearing masks Mm -hmm. now, but when you're not and you just smile at somebody, that could literally change their whole entire day. Mm -hmm. I have a little tiny brief story. I was having a really bad day doing homework in a bookstore in L.A., I don't know, eight, ten years ago, and... I had my head down and I got a really rough phone call and I was just like beside myself, but in a public place, but not really envisioning or noticing anybody else around me. And I looked up and this person who was sitting like three tables down from me had a yellow notepad just like this and he had it flipped over with a smiley face on it so that I could see it. And it made me smile and Mm. he came over and sat with me and said like, hey, are you okay? I noticed you were like having a moment there. And I just wanted to say, you're not alone. And he, we became friends after that. Like he was, he was a ghostwriter and going to school there. And we just became friends after that. But he noticed a complete stranger having like a bit of a hard time. And he mm-hmm. just went out of his way to make me smile and feel better. That's awesome. And it absolutely worked. Mm-hmm. That's pretty creative. Right? A little yeah. Smiley just face. a little smiley face yeah. on a yeah. yellow notepad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're talking about some of the clinical stuff. So I've worked um, two years as a hospital chaplain, you mm-hmm. know, and they train um, hospital staff to have bedside manner, right? Mm-hmm. And there's right. there's science attached to that, right? Mm-hmm. The difference that it makes, so the smile, the touch, uh, the engagement that you would have with somebody who's 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 there to heal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Megan, do you want to jump into yeah. like the yoga, acupuncture, yeah. movement stuff, or? Yeah, I will. Um, because yoga is another form of community. Like, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people look at yoga and they think about the pictures that they see with people doing these wild backbends and their their knees are touching their noses. Kind of like when I do yoga. When you kind do of. yoga. Right, the like, pictures he's on He's got his, his foot all the way up over his head. It's and he's pretty doing impressive. a beautiful dancer uh, pose. It yeah. looks super great. Um, yeah, we'll, he's, we'll be posting these, right, Jacob? I mean... <laughs> Yeah. I'll help him out, but point. yeah, he'll get At there. Some point. <laughs> he'll get there. No, but coming from someone who who suffers from chronic um, cervical pain and just issue with my spine, um, yoga. <laughs> 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 Sorry. 
I just looked down and I, yeah, okay. Yoga um, helped me come out of that. Like being told that I couldn't run right. when I was 27 years old, I was like, what? I've been running since I was like 10 and that's all I do. That's like, I thought of running as, as a part of who I was. Mm. Like it was me. Like I associated that I was a runner. And to be told that I couldn't do it, I was just like, I have no idea what the heck I'm going to do because that's who I am. I had to find this new thing called yoga where you had to sit with your feelings. (laughs) I was like, no, I don't know how to be mindful. I was like, I only do yoga to stretch. Well, lo and behold, I had some, it helped me so much. It helped me learn so much about my body and what was going on in there and really just how to get in tune with myself and and know that the pain was at a specific spot in my body and it wasn't a whole part of my being. Like there are layers of, of areas in my body and in my mind that were struggling, that were mm-hmm. in pain, that were uncomfortable. But I could do things to alleviate that. And so I even ended up getting my yoga teaching certificate because it was that powerful wow. for me to go and find something where You can't think about anything else when you're doing yoga because you're focused on your breath, you're focused on the alignment, you're focused on just kind of leading with your heart and connecting it all together, your heart, your mind, your body, your soul, all the things. Um, And it was just so, so empowering and, and grounding for me. And so it's interesting to me to hear you talk because as we've mm-hmm. said many times this is not my comfort zone yeah, right like yeah, yeah. i like the cognitive this right. this but i i'm really really starting to come around to the idea that this is valid yeah. stuff right yeah. thank god yeah seriously <laughs> i know about how time. many times have i told about you to do a time. forward fold because <laughs> you're lower back <laughs> so here's my here's my question to you when you're in pain how do you, how do you do yoga like what so that's hard yeah because last year, you know, right. I had pneumonia, I had a neck flare up, mm-hmm. I was not able to get out of bed for three weeks, COVID. I had to work from home for what, six months, I got COVID, I fell out of a hammock, I messed up my SI, I just got that fixed, my lovely chiropractor. When you say it all together, I gotta say. <laughs> like, it's just, there were so many things last year yeah. that my physical body, I couldn't even practice yoga. Like, mm-hmm. I was lucky if I could sit on my mat and, and do a couple of forward folds or a butterfly posture or restorative for that matter because leaning back just, just was so painful. So, it's hard. But you, the cool thing about yoga is you make it what it, you make it what you need it to be. You have a threshold that you get to, to embrace. So if going this far into a lunge is going to be super painful, then you back off some. Right. You go to where you are comfortable and, and you surround yourself with people who are not going to let you exceed those limits because they don't want to see you injure yourself. So if you're, if you're listening, watching today, we want to encourage you. Yoga is awesome. But Very. you probably, if you're in serious pain, you probably need to get with someone you who knows what they're doing, right? Don't yes. go on the internet and just figure right. this out. No. Go to someone who knows what they're doing that right. can lead you through the process. Here at LiveWell, we have a resident yoga expert who happens to be sitting on my left. <laughs> um, and we literally do it here mm-hmm. in, in a behavioral health setting. And so, we, you know, you can come here, meet with Megan. Um, you can do one of our groups or you can go, you know, we'll be happy to refer to you to someone in, in your community that can help you walk through the process. Absolutely. So 
guys, this is crazy. We've only got three or four minutes left. Um, what's left if we if we want to give people practical strategies? I mean, there are other alternatives. There's there's acupuncture, um, re- releasing the tension and the energy in the places in the body that hurt um, or that are in pain, which I I do a lot, and I think that acupuncture is very very healing for me. There's massages. Um, there's chiropractic care. My chiropractor literally just fixed everything in my body that I've been struggling with for almost six months. Um, body scans, bathing, salt baths. Yeah. Um, soaking. Um, what else? I'm going to try to talk through this. So, okay. For those of you that were watching that whole thing go down, I read over here that Alana has the hiccups. (laughs) And so she wasn't she able to talk. Quietly really been sitting by this whole time. Trying not to hiccup into the microphone. So that you know was... What? Did I just get rid of them for you? Can we scare do you? Do you know what I'm going to do? Talk about gonna purple unicorns. mindfulness. And uh, I'm going huh. to not try to resist the hiccup. The hiccup. That's, That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Uh-huh. Movement. Talk about movement. Salt baths. Okay. Everybody so. take a breath. <laughs> Please don't make me laugh. So we have a whole list of about 15 different pain management strategies that um, that we wanted to talk with you guys about today, all in a 20-minute crunch time. Um, so some of them includes physical movement, um, which I want to talk about in a second. We actually have a resident expert on behavioral activation in-house right here at Livewell Behavioral Health at this beautiful facility. Dave Jones. Dave Jones. Um, and what behavioral activation does is it it's literally the evidence-based technique of getting someone up and moving in any physical way, even if their pain or depression or anxiety tells them not to mm-hmm. or tells them that they can't. Um, Laying horizontal, it just, it exacerbates mm-hmm. it because without yeah. the movement, things are getting constricted and they're getting tight and mm-hmm. they need to be moved and we stretched. Have, we have to remember like the parts of the brain that is telling us to stay still and don't move. Those are the parts of the brain that is misfiring. It's, it's the pain signals. It's the depression. It's those are the parts of the brain. It's misfiring. So why would we want to listen to the thing that's telling us what to do when that thing isn't functioning mm-hmm. well. Correct. Um, Those it, are the things we need to try to resist, like yeah. right. Dr. Mike right. was talking about earlier. A part of it feels natural. A part of it feels like, oh, you're super depressed, like you're definitely going to want to stay in bed all day. Been there, done that. But at the same time, mm-hmm. me too, and like by no means is this easy. It's no. probably like really, really challenging. I can tell you like... I mean, I, I wake up in the morning with pain, but if I don't get up and get moving, if even if it's just a quarter mile power walk, if that's all I can handle, barely handle, like that's movement. And movement, what you're doing is you're, you're proving to your body that those misfiring signals are wrong. And you're kind of telling it to to like shut up for a second while you try to do the healthy thing. Right. Yeah. And you're gonna you're gonna reset those signals right. in your brain as you do it. Exactly. Now we want you to talk to your doctor, right? Of if course. you're in serious pain, always clear any physical activity with your doctor. Yes. But the idea is we tell people routinely, do it anxious, mm-hmm. do it depressed, do it afraid, do it in pain, yeah. do it afraid. Because when you start moving, 
you will start feeling better. That's right. Mm -hmm. You will. Yeah. And the more you do it, you create this practice. You've created a new routine that is a healthy way of living. It's that self-care, that self-love, that I am worthy of feeling better, so mm -hmm. I'm going to do this for myself, and I'm going to turn it into a routine. Mm -hmm. So my and advice to you guys is do it anyway. No matter mm -hmm. what your brain or body is telling you, do it anyway. Move anyway. Get up anyway. Take a shower anyway. Take a bath anyway. And speaking of baths, so Do you need to take yes. one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is she about to say? I haven't showered in three days. That's right. <laughs> We've Speaking. been wanting to talk to you about this, Alana, uh -huh. so I'm glad you glad you brought it up. I, it's less awkward this We'll way. have you know I did shower. Okay. <laughs> Bathing. Okay. Megan, this is on our list, okay? I know. Of pain But you're not talking strategies. about like just a bath. You're talking about I'm like not. an Epsom, Epsom salt. salt. That's like right. a soak. Yes. Yeah. So there are actually um, really wonderful facilities. I, I mean, we're in Florida here, so we're on the East Coast. And I can tell you, in between Orlando and Melbourne, there are at least four sensory deprivation spas mm -hmm. if anyone does not know what that is it's one of the coolest things that i've ever heard of basically mm -hmm. lay in like a pod full of extremely high amounts of salt water right yes so like high amounts of salt mm -hmm. so there's this giant um tub and um i mean it's it's about what is it like your arm span plus about six it's anyway it's a lot of space and it's a circular tank um and it's filled with about six inches of water but there's about 500 pounds of Epsom salt in there. And so when you when you go into the tank, you automatically float because there's this floating component of it. Um, the tanks are always set at the exact same temperature as your body. So it's 98 degrees and your body hmm. temperature is about 98.6 degrees. And so the whole idea of sensory deprivation is now you're floating in six inches of water and you're not really feeling any sensation except for hopefully relaxation because you're being supported mm. by the salt the salt is supporting sure. you it's wild it's wild yeah. so we know that's a little creative but yeah. it works i yes. mean we you know we had a, we had a massage therapist uh, that worked for us that would routinely send people to mm -hmm. these soaks mm -hmm. before yes. she would do the massages. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. all right, look, we, we have about a thousand more things we'd like to we tell do. you about, um, and we just don't have time today. But we appreciate you listening. We tried to give you practical strategies that can help you live better and help you manage your pain. So uh, we do want to remind you, our website's livewellbehavioralhealth.com, livewellbehavioralhealth.com. You'll get all the information you need there about who we are, about our staff. We've got therapists waiting to meet with you in person, virtually. We've got uh, a coaching app that you're connected with a real person through this app, a real coach that will help you create some goals for your life and help you meet those wellness goals. Uh, we've got intensive programs for addictions and, and depression and anxiety and stress and trauma. We just like to tell you about all of that. Um, so please don't hesitate to visit our website and uh, give us any feedback or comments that you have. And we just appreciate you giving us a chance to speak into your life today. Um, all right, guys. I think that's it. Uh, yeah. Until next time. Uh, thanks for listening right. and watching. Thanks the for podcast. watching. Thanks for joining us. Have a wonderful Monday. <laughs>